0: Well, good morning, everybody. You got your Bibles open up to Colossians. We are in Colossians, have been in Colossians, will be in Colossians. Hope you're enjoying Colossians. (laughs) So I am doing two things this morning that, that most of you probably have never seen me do before while teaching Sunday school. I'm sitting down. This is not coffee. I, I love you too much to do coffee to you, okay? This is hot chocolate, so, so my voice is uh, pretty raw. I've been coughing the last 36 hours or so, so I got some help this morning, going to help uh, read the passage, as well as some of the more extended quotes from the, the notes. Um, I, before I kind of get into today's lesson, I, I I'll I'll tell you about a conversation and a grace and I had on the way over to church this morning. We live a mile away from church, so it wasn't a really long in-depth conversation. But uh, I I did tell her that today's text that we look at is probably the most controversial passage of Scripture for those people outside of the church looking in, trying to figure out, well, how does that work? Um, So I want to handle this uh, boldly, quite frankly, this morning, because I think the text is quite clear. So... I'm going to teach you what the text says. Uh, We're going to look at the words and what the words mean, uh, how they are used. Uh, Very typical lesson for us. But at the same time, there were several really, really good resources that I want to call out. And there's a couple quotes on your handout. Uh, One's by a guy named Stedman, S-T-E-D-M-A-N. If you just want to do a Google search in Stedman on Colossians 3, it will be well worth your time. Uh, and and the other is uh, uh, Kaufman, C-O-F-F-M-A-N, which I think is kind of ironic since I've been coughing the last 36 hours, but um, <clears throat> the jokes get worse when I'm not feeling well, for those of you that are newer to our class, yes, that was awesome, that was absolutely awesome. So uh, I say all those things uh, with the preview that uh, the Bible says what the Bible says, and we are called to obey it. And uh, I am thankful that we are given clear direction and are not given a blank piece of paper and go figure it out for yourselves. So it is what it is. And uh, with that, I've asked uh, Dr. Lori Drake to uh, read the text for us this morning. And uh, so she's going to start with Colossians 1.1 and go to 3.17. So if you've got your Bibles, please follow along. Uh, or if you want to listen, you can do the same. But please give... Give heed to what the, the text says this morning because it is the most important thing that we will do today. So, Lori. Washington, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God and Timothy our brother,
1: to the saints and faithful brethren in Christ, who are in Colossus. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We give thanks to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you. Since we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of your love for all the saints, because of the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, of which you have heard before in the word the truth of the gospel, which has come to you as it has also in all the world, and is bringing forth fruit, as it is also among you the grace of God and truth, as you also learn from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ under the hand, who also declared to us your love in the spirit. For this reason, we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you, and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power, for all patience and long-suffering and joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light.
0: He has delivered
1: us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. Verse 15. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things. And in him all things consist. And he is the head of the body, the church. He the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have a preeminence. For it pleased the Father that in him all the fullness should dwell, and by him to reconcile all things to himself, by him, whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of his cross. And you, who were once alienated and enemies, By wicked works, yet now he has reconciled in his body, in the body of his flesh through death, to present you holy and blameless, and above reproach in his sight. If indeed you continue in the faith, grounded and steadfast, and are not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you heard, which was preached to every creature under heaven, and of which I, Paul, became a minister. I now rejoice in my sufferings for you, and fill up in my flesh what is lacking in the for the sake of his body, which is the church, of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God which was given to me for you to fulfill the word of God, the mystery which has been hidden from ages and for generations, but now has been revealed to his saints. To them God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of his ministry among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Him we preach, warning every man and teaching every man all wisdom, that no, we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. To this end I also labor, striving according to his work, which works in me mightily. Chapter 2. For I want you to know what a great conflict I have for you and those in Laodicea, and for as many as have not yet seen my face in the flesh, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, and attaining to all riches of the full assurance of understanding, to the knowledge, of the mystery of God, both of the Father and Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Now this I say, lest anyone should deceive you with verbatim, persuasive words. For though I am absent in the flesh, yet I am with the spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the steadfastness of your faith in Christ. Verse six As you therefore have received Christ, Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. Beware, lest anyone cheat you with philosophy and deceit, according to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. For in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are complete in him, who is the head of all principality and power. In him you were also circumcised, and with the, with the circumcision made without hands, by putting off the body of the sins of the flesh, by the circumcision of Christ, buried in baptism, in which also in which you also were raised with him through faith in the working of God, who raised him for the dead. And you, being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made alive together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us, and he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross, Having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. Verse 16. So let no one judge you in food or in drink, or regarding a festival, or a new moon or Sabbaths, which are a shadow of things to come, but the substance of Christ. Let no one cheat you of your reward, taking delight in false humility and worship of angels, intruding into those things which he has not yet seen. Vainly puffed up by this fleshly mind, and not holding fast to the head, from whom all the body, nourished and knit together by joints and ligaments, grows with the increase that is from God. Therefore, if you die with Christ from the basic principles of the world, why, as though living in the world, do you subject yourselves to regulations? Do not touch, do not taste, do not handle, it. which all concern things which perish with, with the use of you, according to the commandments and doctrines of men. These things in have an appearance of wisdom and self-imposed religion, false humility and neglect of the body, but are of no value against the indulgence of the flesh. Chapter 3. If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above not on things of the earth, for you die and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in the Therefore put to death the members which are on the earth, fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is adultery. Because of these things the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience, in which you yourselves once walked when you lived in them. But now you yourselves are to put off all these, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth, do not lie to another since you have put off the old man with his deeds and have put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. Where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised nor uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave nor free, but Christ is all and in all. Verse 12. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, longsuffering, bearing with one another, and forgiving one another, if anyone has a complaint against the other. Even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you were called to be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching, and admonishing one another, in psalms, and hymns, and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord, and whatever you do with word
0: or deed, do all in the, in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks
1: to God the Father. Thank you,
0: Lori. Introduction. <laughs> 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 Wonderful. Uh, I hope that you get in the habit of le- reading large portions of Scripture. I hope that you do. We, we, have a, we have a habit today in Christianity of reading a verse or two verses and, and really focusing on a verse or two verses, and there is nothing wrong with that as long as we keep things in context. And this is the reason that we spend so much time every single week putting this in context, walking up to where we are. So as we get further into Colossians, Paul gets more and more specific. He talked about these general theological concepts in chapters 1 and 2. And then in chapter 3, we start to get, all right, so put off these things, put on these things. In today's text, he talks to specific roles inside the home. In next week, or perhaps the week after that's text, He talks at specific individuals, named people. So he goes deeper and deeper and deeper. And we can imagine, and it will happen this way, that as he gets more and more specific, the text gets more and more uncomfortable. Right? So this is the the equivalent of when you were in school and the teacher asked a question, does anybody know the answer to this question? And everybody kind of squirms like, ooh, we didn't really do our homework, I'm not sure. And then the teacher says, George, do you know the answer to this question? And George goes, hmm, I hope so, but I didn't really do my homework. And then it's, George, you should really know that. It, and he just dives in deeper and deeper and deeper. So today's context is really bounded. You'll see in verses, uh, in chapter 318 all the way to 4, one these guardrails, these uh, bumpers, if you will, of in the Lord. And, and the idea is, uh, I like to go bowling. Anybody like to go bowling? I like to go bowling under one condition, that we use the bumpers. Because if we don't use the bumpers, then it's just a bunch of goose eggs, and that's just not a lot of fun. I like to use the bumpers. So today's text, Paul puts up these bumpers of all all these commands to the wives, to the husbands, to the fathers, to the children, to the slaves, to the masters, all these commands are inside the bumpers of in the Lord. So all the other commands in Scripture that tell us how to walk are still in effect. These are just specifically more details to these groups. So let's look at today's text. Verse eighteen Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be bitter toward them. Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well pleasing to the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. Bond servants, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service, as men pleasers, but in sincerity of heart, fearing God. And whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord, not to men knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of inheritance, for you serve the Lord Christ. But he who does wrong will be repaid for what he has done, and there is no partiality. Masters, give your bondservants what is just and fair, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. So I'm going to talk about two things structurally before we start looking at the text. So you'll notice that I included chapter 4, verse 1 in today's material. Everybody see that? So a couple things. The men who put the chapter divisions and the verse divisions in the Bible did us a very good service in Bible study in doing so. It would take a long time if there were no numbers whatsoever in the Scripture for us all literally to get on the same page. Would, would we agree? Yes. Okay, good. However... Those chapter numbers and verse numbers were not part of the original text. They were added for ease of use. So when you see a chapter break, like right here, and you go, huh, that feels like a weird spot to do that. Yes, the guy who put chapter breaks in the Bible did so on horseback between two locations. The joke that I always heard growing up was that the horse hit a bump, and he put it in the wrong spot. So... That was supposed to be funny, but y'all didn't like it. All right. Thanks. <clears throat> so, so when you see... Dave's going to help me today. I appreciate that, Dave. So when you see one of these chapter divisions and it looks kind of wonky, that's okay. That wasn't from Jesus. All right? The Holy Spirit didn't tell him to put it there. So we're going to include uh, one in that, four one in that. So I want you to look at the text in your, in your copy of the scriptures. So you see it says wives and then husbands. That's a pair. Children and then fathers, that's a pair. Verse 22, bond servants and then come down to 4-1. Masters, that's a pair. So he deals with three different pairs of relationships. And he puts the stronger or the leadership role of each in the second of each one of those. So 19, 21, 4 Those are the, the leadership positions in each one of the relationships. I just wanted you to see the structure there before we get into it. One more thing. Where did the early church have Church. People's homes, right? So, so when Paul talks about the Christian home and what it ought to look like, it was literally going to be a mimic and a copy of how we could do church. So imagine a Christian home where you're trying to hold a church service and wives don't submit to husbands. Husbands don't love wives. Children don't obey the parents. Fathers are provoking the children. Bond servants are not obeying the masters. And masters are being, impartial, are being uh, uh, unfair. Ugh. That's, that's going to be weird, right? That's going to be very awkward as you try to hold a church service. So this had a direct impact on the actual services themselves inside the church. So let's look at the text word by word. Wives. <clears throat> It means a woman or a wife. It's really singular in the Greek, but they pluralize it here. So wives, submit. So the Greek word is uh, hypotasso. And you've heard Gary talk about this a whole lot. This is a present imperative. This is a command. Uh, it's a compound word from the words under and to put in order. And it basically just means to submit unto, to put yourself in subjection unto. Uh, it's generally used in military senses in a lot of different places. Here's your first blank. The form of the verb hypotase, in the middle voice, shows that the submission is to be voluntary. The wife's submission is never to be forced on her by a demanding husband. That, that is not submission. Okay? It's not love either. So, so there's a quote from Stedman. This is one of the guys I want you to go look up and read. Submission does not mean inequality. Submission does not mean inequality. Literally, it just means put yourself under to arrange yourself under someone for a good and proper purpose. It's a voluntary action. I'm going to jump ahead just a little bit here. So t- somebody tell me the three members of the Trinity. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Who has the lead role in the Trinity? The Father. How do we know that? Well, the, the Bible tells us so in, in quite a few different places. But also, what term is used? Father. Yes. So specifically, between the Father and the Son, who is subordinate? The Son. Does that make Jesus anything less than God? Absolutely not. It just means he has an authority. My God has an authority to my God. I'm okay with that. That doesn't make the position that is in uh, submission to someone else of less value, of less worth, of less importance. It just means God is a God of order. He's got an order and a structure to the universe, even inside the Trinity itself. So, uh, several weeks ago, I got an opportunity to speak on Sunday morning, and I, I... This was right after the Supreme Court had uh, decided that uh, sin was going to be legal in America in another way. They've they've done this several other times. But they said that uh, uh, marriage could be between uh, two men or between two women, right? You guys remember this? Okay. So just because the law says that this is right does not change God's rules and God's word, right? Okay. Okay. So one of the reasons that we cannot go messing with marriage and that we have to have these relationships in place is because marriage is a picture of the relationship between Jesus Christ and his bride, the church. And when you change that relationship, see, Jesus Christ is the head. He's the groom for the church. We're the guys and gals included. We're the bridegroom as part of the body of Christ. The head is over the body. When you change that relationship, and you say that the husband is no longer the head over the family, but that the wife is the head over the family, that relationship no longer pictures Christ's relationship to His church. This is why we don't mess with it. On top of the fact that it's pretty clear in Scripture. But there's other things that it's pointing towards. Does this make sense? When we go changing the details of the Scripture... We're changing the big arc narrative stories that God is telling all throughout the scripture. One of the reasons that God is God and we are not is that he has been able to tell a multi-thousand year story consistently and regularly pointing toward the greatness and grandeur of Jesus Christ. And when we go messing with the components of that, we mess up that story. So let's not mess up these details. Does that make sense? Okay, great. So, wives, submit, this is hupotasso, to your own husbands. I'm going to emphasize that again. To your own husbands, as is fitting. The Greek word here is an echo. Uh, it's a compound word from arrive and in the middle. It means to be, uh, to be proper or to fit. I, I think this is Paul using some more of this sewing language in the Bible. I think it is. Because the idea here is you've got something over here, and you've got something over here. And what's in the middle fits. It brings these two things together. Now, when you have a picture, and we've all seen this, when you have a picture of the husband in a leadership position, the wife in a submit uh, in the, uh, the, the proper uh, position in the home, and when we have this picture reversed, things don't fit as they should. Does this make sense? Have you ever picked up a piece of clothing off the rack and went and tried it on and you went, that just... That, that, doesn't, that doesn't fit. I can't really get like my, my arm through that hole over there. That hole's too small. You ever done this? That doesn't fit. The same thing. It looks awkward in a relationship. So as it is fitting, here, here's the quote from Stedman. This is what I jumped ahead on earlier. There's an order of authority in all God's world. The Father observes it. The Son observes it. Everything in nature observes it. Lori, can you read this uh, extended quote from Guzik here? Yes. Here
1: it says for the verse, um, as is fitting the Lord, this does not define the extent of a wife's submission. It does not define the limit of a wife's submission. It defines the motive of a wife's submission. It means, wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands because it is a part of your duty to the Lord, because it is an expression of your submission to the Lord. But they submit simply because it is fitting in the Lord to do it. It honors God's Word and His Word of the Lord. It is part of their Christian duty and discipleship. For wives, submission to their husband is part of their Christian life. When a wife doesn't obey this Word to submit to your own husband as is fitting in the Lord, she doesn't just fall short as a wife. She falls short as a follower of Jesus
0: Christ. So I'm going to jump in. In Guzik's commentary, he also says almost the exact same thing about the husband, when the husband fails to love his wife. So he gives equal treatment in length here to both sides of this. All right, keep going, Lori.
1: This means that the command to submit is completely out of the realm of my nature or my personality. Wives aren't expected to submit because they are the submissive type. They are expected Mm -hmm. to submit because it is fitting in the Lord. This has nothing to do with your husband's intelligence or giftedness or capability. It has to do with honoring the Lord Jesus Christ. This has nothing to do with whether or not your husband is right on a particular issue. It has to to do, do with Jesus being right. This means that a woman should take great care in how she chooses her husband. Remember ladies, this is what God requires of you in marriage. This is his expectation of you. Instead of looking for an attractive man, instead of looking for a wealthy man, instead of looking for a romantic man, you better first look for a man you can respect.
0: Thank you. I'm going to pause there for just a second. Does this make sense? Yeah. Right? But par- part of saying I do, or I will, or whatever the words you said when you got married were, I'm going to submit... And guys, I'm going to love her and lay down my life for her. That is that. Now, when you see this, that is a beautiful... Oh, my goodness, it's so beautiful. It is a stunningly, unbelievably beautiful thing. And it pictures our submission to our Lord Jesus Christ. And it pictures His willingness and love for us and willingness to lay down His life for us. That's what we're picturing when we see this. Now, is it possible... For a man to lead his wife into sin. Yes. So what does he say here, Lori? Yes, I'm sorry.
1: As is the case in every human relationship, the command to submit is not absolute. When the husband asks the wife to sin, she must not submit.
0: Can you read that last few words again?
1: When the husband asks the wife to sin, she must not
0: submit. Absolutely. Does this make sense? We never have a license to sin. Ever. Ever, ever, ever. The Christian's always under some type of authority. Uh, inside the home, the children are subject to the parents. Inside the marital relationship, the wife is uh, under authority to the husband. Inside the church relationship, all of the members are subject to the elders or the leadership. Inside uh, society, Christians are subject to the government. Underneath all of Christianity, Christians are subject to God himself. We are all subject to someone. All of us are subject to someone. And none of those relationships, in none of those relationships, are we ever right to sin to submit. Just make sense? So if the government comes out with a law and and the law says, you must confess that... Your state senator is God, and you must bring him tithes and offerings. Nope, I don't don't believe I'm going to do that. What's that? What about you must bake a cake? What about you must bake a cake? For oh, we're talking about the the cake. Yes, the cake. Um, So, would you be? So, what is a marriage? Let me back up. What is a wedding? A wedding is a celebration of an event, correct? Okay. I had somebody ask me a couple weeks ago, if I got invited to a homosexual wedding, would I attend? And my answer is absolutely not. Because my attendance is celebration of that event. I'm not going to celebrate that event. (laughs) Would I bake a cake for a homosexual wedding? Absolutely not. I wouldn't celebrate an event, nor would I help someone celebrate an event that is sin. And if the government said, that's wrong, then I will say, I'd rather be on the right side of eternity. You keep hearing this phrase, you need to be on the right side of history. (laughs) Break the word apart. History is his story. His story is always rightly aligned with scripture. Be on the right side of eternity. Let's start with that one. So, no, I wouldn't bake a cake. So, we got on cakes. That was awesome. Uh, all right, so, so wives. So it, this passage follows immediately after the put on, the put off, right? The put on, the put off. So what do you think the blank is for the wives? Put on submission. Yeah, put on submission. All right, So verse 19, husbands, man, husband, love. This is the word agapeo, agape. This is the all give type of love. This is not phileo, the give and take, or eros, the all take. Um, Guzik says it can be defined as sacrificial, giving, absorbing love. The word has little to do with emotion. It has much to do with self-denial for the sake of another. It's a love that loves without changing. It's a a self-giving love that gives without demanding or expecting repayment. It's a love so great that it can be given to the unlovable or unappealing. It's a love that loves even when it is rejected. Agape love loves and gives because it wants to. It does not demand or expect repayment from the love given. It gives because it loves. It does not love in order to receive. It's a big thing here. All right, so it says husbands love who? Your wives. So again, this is singular here. So this is not, uh, you can look at the tenses and draw a conclusion that, oh, okay, so you can have more than one wife. No, 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 you cannot. One, one. <laughs> one and one. That's it. Okay. One on either side of the husband and wife, too. It's not one in one and one in one, it's one in one. Husbands love your wives. And, and this is, this, is, this safeguards Paul's words to the wives here. Um, I wrote something in my notes here. It says, "Husband, if you agapeo your wife, she may be more likely to hupatasso." But the men should never agapeo to get hupitasso. Men agapeo because obedience to Christ commands it. Does this make sense? I don't love my wife unconditionally so that she will submit to me. No. I love her unconditionally because I'm representing Jesus Christ and His relationship to the church. Period. Now, if that creates a culture or an environment or a structure inside of our home that enables something else positive to occur, praise the Lord. But if it doesn't, I'm not off the hook. There's no when you feel like it. Did I miss it? Husbands, love your wives. Yeah. Nope. And, and, and this, uh, I, I think it's, I'm still struggling with the placement of these next few words. And do not be bitter towards them. It's like, what, what did, did, does that seem logically to flow to anybody? There are parts of the scripture where I look at and I read them and I read them over and over and over and over and over again and I go, it didn't. Didn't feel like it just logically flows from a train of thought here, but that's what he put. Do not be bitter or embittered. Uh, and this is a, another imperative. So it's a command. Stop being bitter. Don't have the habit of being bitter towards them. Uh, Guzik's got a quote here. He says, The husband may feel perfectly justified in his harsh... Or unloving attitude and actions toward his wife, but he is not justified. No matter how the wife has been towards the husband, agape loves even when there are obvious and glaring deficiencies, even when the receiver is unworthy of the love. So what do do you think the blanks are for husbands? Put off bitterness and put on love. Absolutely. Put off bitterness and put on love. Now, I didn't think that I would get all the way through this text today, so... You want to try to go through the next two verses? You want to go through children? Yeah, children and fathers. Let's do children and fathers. I think we do this quick. Children, obey. Do you see the word there in Greek? What, what few letters does it start with? H-Y-P. You see that? What other word have we looked at that starts with those three letters? Hopetaso, yes. It's the same. It's a, it's a different compound word. This word here is uh, hupo, which means under. And then uh, kao, which means to hear and to understand, and to obey. So it's really, a, it's really a, a rich, full word. It means everything from you heard the command, you processed it, you understood it, you carried it out, and you obeyed. So it's the whole gamut in between hearing and doing. So it's all the way from my, literally, from my ear to my hands and my feet and everything in between. So obey your parents in what? In how many things? All things, yes. Now, where does this command come? This command comes after the husband is commanded to lay down his life for his wife. This command comes after the wife is commanded to be submitted to her husband. Okay, So we now have a framework that this can operate in. If you disregard verse 18 and you disregard verse 19, pulling verse 20 off is very challenging. You guys see this? Does this make sense? Okay. So obey your parents in all things. This is what we call the verbal, the plenary inspiration to scripture. The order matters. Obey your parents in all things, for this is what? Well-pleasing. It's acceptable. It's fully agreeable to who? The Lord. So if you want to please the Lord, children, you obey. You obey. Um <clears throat> I jumped ahead earlier. This is an extended quote from Gazek here. It said, This is one of the important reasons for a child's obedience. When a child respects his parents' authority, he is re- respecting God's order of authority in other areas of life. This idea of order of authority and submission to an order of authority are so important to God that they're part of His very being. The first person of the, Tr- the Holy Trinity is called the Father. The second person of the Holy Trinity is called the Son. Inherent in those titles, here's your blank, is a relationship of authority and submission to authority. The father exercises authority over the son. The son submits to the father's authority. And in this very nature, this is the being of God. Our failure to exercise biblical authority and our failure to submit to biblical authority isn't just wrong and sad. It sins against the very nature of God. Does this make sense? If you want to teach your kids a verse early in life, this is not a bad one to start with. Okay? It's not a bad one to start with. So children, what are we supposed to put on? Obedience. Yes. O-B-E-D-I-E-N-C-E. You guys remember that? I do. I think there was a reason they taught us that song. Verse 21. Fathers, do not provoke or stimulate to anger. This is kind of a... You know the verse that talks about stir up love amongst each other? This is almost the opposite of that. It's almost a stir up anger or provoke your children lest they become discouraged or spiritless or disheartened. Um... And this is a, uh, a present subjunctive, so it's really continued discouragement. It's this, it's this mode of operating that is just going to be, uh, it's going to carry through for a very long time in their life. This is not a command to never say something to your child that will discourage them. There will be times you need to speak to your child in a way to save them from physical harm that might be considered discouraging to the child. We're up on an, um, a highway, Sixth Highway 64, outside Shelbyville, Tennessee, and we were charged on highway, 65, 70 miles an hour, and, and, and sister and sister nine. and I <laughs> were, were, were arguing, arguing, in the middle of the highway. She was pulling one direction, I was pulling the other, and it was raining, and I wanted to go across the street, I think I wanted to go across the street, to the little old lady who lived across the street, because she would feed us uh, cereal that did not come in a white and black box. Um... And Holly wanted to go home and, uh, because that's what mom and dad had told us to do. So we're in the street, uh, in the highway, arguing, literally standing on the yellow line, the double yellow line in the middle. <coughs> My dad drives up. We reference this event in our house as the middle of the road incident. <laughs> I don't know if there's a period of time in your life where you had a near death experience at the hands of your parents. This was my near-death experience at the hands of my parents. For years, years afterward, my dad would look at me and go, do we need to go back to the middle of the road? No, sir. Absolutely not. No, sir. Nope. He can actually do it today, and I still kind of get... I'm 39, and I still kind of get freaked out a little bit. It's like, nope, nope, not interested. But his response was incredibly discouraging to us in that moment, but it also saved our lives. Does this make sense? This command is do not live a life that continues discouragement so as you break a child's spirit. That is, that is not, the, um, not the intent here. So, Barclay says, here's your blank, a parent could do anything, like he, anything he liked with his child. This is in the Roman Empire. At this time, the father had complete authority over the family. If the father wanted to sell the child into slavery, he could sell the child into slavery. If the father wanted to kill the child, he could sentence the child to death and carry out that sentence himself personally. He was legally right to be able to do so. Okay? So this is a whole different culture than, than we have today. <clears throat> Barclay says this about Luther. Luther's father was so stern to him that Luther all his life found it difficult to pray our father. And that that's sad, right? That's very sad. Luther quoted himself later on and said, Spare the rod and spoil the child, but beside the rod keep an apple to give him when he does well. Yeah, I mean, there's more than just the constant grading negative, negative, negative. There is more. So fathers, what do we say? Uh, put off, I put provocation because I didn't know another word for provo- provoke, but provocation. You can help me with a simpler word if you want. But. So we'll pick up there next week in verse 22. Um, but please understand that the thing that I want you to walk out today with is that everybody is under authority. Everybody is under authority. It is not just one, it is all of us. I will go as far as to say that God the Father has self-limited Himself with His own Word, that He has bounded His own actions and decrees in His own existence. Everybody's under authority. It's it's a good thing for the universe. So, uh, in the middle of your tables is a weekly update. Please... Uh, Reach in and uh, make sure your names are on those. If somebody has left your table, make sure their names are on that too. Uh, Share your prayer requests. Pray as a group. And thanks for coming to Sunday school today. Thanks, guys. Oh, two things. The chairs and tables do not need to be put up today since everything's at the uh, Chester Frost tonight. And we have the... Somebody help me with the term. The baby... Sprinkle. Sprinkle, yes. Which... You put baby and sprinkle in a sentence for me and it just, it feels weird, but there's a sprinkle. It's here today at 2.30. Um, it's a, I think it's, it's diapers and wipes, just diapers and wipes. So bring diapers and wipes. Yeah. Oh, it's just a sprinkle. Oh, that makes, that makes sense. It's just a sprinkle. It's not a whole shower. They didn't tell me that. Okay. I'm just sitting here going, That's, that's weird. It's like really weird. Okay, great. Be back here at 2.30 for that. Thanks for coming, guys.